Who's wrong and who's wronger? In this corner, followed by Millions James, the exploding unicorn, Breakwell. And in that corner, ignored by Millions, Steve Dash, Rinko Lieber. And welcome back to another hard-hitting, pile-driving episode of Wrong and Wronger. You've got Steve the Hammer Olivas and James Jello Brickwell coming to you as we do every week, discussing topics that don't mean anything to anybody and really don't mean much to us either, but we have a good time chatting anyway. And James... How are you doing this week? I would just like to start off by apologizing to our three viewers. You said Jello, and I tried to jiggle like Jello, and I don't know how it came out, but I, I can see myself oh. on the camera now, and it was disturbing <laughs> to say the least. So let's let's just start over, folks, and pretend that didn't happen. James the Rock Breakwell. I much better. I, I do much better stationary. Okay, did, did you impersonate a rock right there? I, I live my life impersonating a rock. I am just that solid, <laughs> steady influence, unshakable, unmovable. Well, James, speaking of unshakable and unmovable, you and I, I think, are on opposite ends of the continuum when it comes to one particular topic, and you addressed it in your newsletter this week because your children still vibe with Dr. Steve on this one, which is, how do you feel about celebrity? I don't know if your needle ever moves, James. I don't know if you've ever met a celebrity that's impressed you. I know you consider yourself in the pantheon with the other gods, the Kardashians and Kanye and Breakwell. I do not. <laughs> but I, when I read how your daughters reacted, I thought, good them let there be a little bit of magic to celebrity but i'm not sure i i know i just dropped this topic on you but how is your brain processing this right now uh processing celebrity or processing um i guess i, I don't even know what you're asking what i'm processing like how do i process oh. celebrities in general just my intro there. I, you know, I, you, <laughs> I think that uh, we probably do interpret celebrities differently. Now, you meet a different celebrity like every week. When I say meet, you you do it, you know, through Skype because they would never be in the same room with you no, under any circumstances. All, how dare you after what I just told you 10 minutes ago? <laughs> God dang. Why do you have to do that to me? I don't even know what you told me 10 minutes ago. It's just in one ear and out the other. You but, know, that's what about you, James. <laughs> While you're setting up your stuff, you're asking me questions, and I know damn well you're not paying any attention to what no, I say to you. No, I heard you. You're just trying to fill time. I just don't know how God. it connects to this. You said you were talking to a guy from a certain band, and he was on Skype, and you lost him because you're technically incompetent. Like, I remember that. I distinctly remember that. I just don't know what it has to do with this current conversation. <sighs> I said... I. What I meant was, see, if you'd have asked a follow-up question because you were at all interested in my life or what happens to me, you would learn a little bit more of the truth. I actually didn't get the interview because he called me on Skype and I thought I had it set up correctly. And on his end, it just rang and rang and rang. So he moved on. And because of my muscle with... Uh, the other show, I was able to get a slot of his during his press junket, and I was really valuing that slot, and then I lost it, and I'm trying to get with his manager to work it out again. He used to sing for Iron Maiden, and I'm, I'm not going to have his 
his street cred in my stable anymore because of my technology. But thank you for ripping the scab off that wound <laughs> in as callous a breakwell way as possible. I don't know. I guess what the, the biggest takeaway there is I just lost all respect for press junkets. Like I assume there was some kind of criteria to be on that. I've I've seen your numbers from your other <laughs> podcast, and they make they make this podcast no, look whole, incredible. But I mean, maybe things have changed. It's been a long time since we talked about your other it's podcast. Not, I do a different show called. Anyway, I get. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead, plug your show. No, plug your show. I think I, we have no, probably a hundred. I know how you are. That this is a Breakwell's no, universe here. And it's the I commute. It's a guest, it's a good so. podcast. I actually listened to it for quite a while until I discovered there were so many other better podcasts out there. But I did. <laughs> I've probably listened to fifty or sixty episodes of the commute. I I have. So you have another podcast. It's out there. They're probably. I think everybody. Of all of your followers who listen to this podcast, probably also listen to that podcast, and probably none of mine do. But I don't know how many of my followers actually listen to any of these podcasts, so that's probably I, largely irrelevant. I'm fairly certain your followers think of me as the devil, James. So <laughs> I'm not sure they want anything to do with what I'm doing on the side. You know, that just shows they have good taste. You can't blame them for that. Uh, tomato, tomato. All right. So anyway, you want to talk about celebrities. So I think there's probably a celebrity encounter story you're wanting to get at. And given how you, uh, and again, we define celebrity differently. You, your definition of celebrity is somebody in a band I've never heard of who's 30 years <laughs> past their prime. And my, my definition is probably somebody just a tad more impressive than that. But given that you do this like on an hourly basis, you must have some story you're cooking up just waiting on to get out there. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the chance. Here is my thought on the story. And I... My thought is, I have a hundred stories. <laughs> now, I've got one in particular that was like the first celebrity I ever met, which is what made me start thinking of this, because your girls met Elsa <laughs> last week. But I was, I was thinking, I will bet Breakwell has zero stories, because <laughs> he could bump into Yoda himself at a Walmart, and Breakwell be like, oh yeah, he's Yoda, whatever. He puts his smock on one arm at a time like everybody else. <laughs> Like, I don't think that would impress you at all. I don't know if you were impressed with Elsa, given that she was some 17-year-old high school chick that's making 28 bucks to show up at a kid's party, but I, do you have any stories? That was really what propelled me to bring this topic up. I have two stories of completely different magnitude, and your eight listeners are going to get really upset when I talk for the entire podcast. But the, oh, no. so any, so I, I want I just let the record show I gave you a chance, and now I'm going to fill this with actual good stories. But <laughs> the my greatest celebrity story, and this is one I've written about before, so some people will will have heard it. But it has to do with probably the greatest celebrity of all time, or one of them, because when you think about celebrity, think about somebody who everyone in the world knows their name. And the biggest one that comes to my mind is Neil Armstrong. Like, everyone, no matter where you are, they know who the first man on the moon is. And he was super reclusive, super hard to see. But when I was a newspaper reporter, there was a college that named a building after him. So he came out of his reclusion to go and be honored at this event. And like every other Apollo astronaut they could get was there. 
And uh, I was in my one year as a newspaper reporter being miserable about life and everything else. And at the time, there was also, there was a student reporter from the college who was working there as an intern, probably unpaid, because that's how newspapers work, all the free labor they can get. So anyway, the college PR person like hooked up this student. So they, Neil Armstrong said he absolutely was not going to talk to the press. Like we were off limits. I was just supposed to sit in the crowd and write down what he said. Uh, you know, being a newspaper reporter is a terrible job. Don't let anybody else tell you otherwise. But I wanted to be able to tell my kids you know, I met Neil Armstrong. I'd say in line with like, like, like saying you met Charles Lindbergh or Amelia Earhart, just like a historical figure. Like how often do you get to say that? And uh, anyway, this PR person from the college hooked up the college student and said, don't tell, don't tell him that you work for the newspaper. Just say you're a college student and put away your notebook and I'll let you meet him. Nice. And she went up and she got to take Neil, shake Neil Armstrong's hand. And I was like, oh man, I want to do that. So I put away my notebook and I tried the same thing. And one of his hired goons, for the record, I think it was not his hired goon. Neil Armstrong does not have a hired goon. But Purdue supplied him with uh, hired goons. And they um, <laughs> they came in and, and they stopped me and they bounced me out of there. They said, no, you don't, wow. you don't have a press credential. Which, for the record, I mean, this is a small market thing. And, like, I never wore press credentials anywhere for anything. But apparently, at a separate venue, three blocks away, through the rain, there was some press credential I was supposed to pick up. It was hidden behind, like, a wall of astronauts. And so I got thrown out of this venue. I had to go walking <laughs> through the, vein, the, the, the rain to get this press credential and then walk back there. And uh, by the time I did, it was too late. And, uh, you know, he was up there giving his speech. So that was my, that was my chance to meet Neil Armstrong. And I, and I came out with a better story. I, didn't, I don't have a story about meeting Neil Armstrong. I have a story about getting thrown out trying to meet Neil Armstrong. <laughs> but the flip side of that is, you know, okay, so there's this one. It, really, what he did was, you know, amazing, heroic, and all of that. But, like, there, were, there, was a, there was a very small group of people. There's like 27 people who ever landed on the moon. It's a super, super small group. I just listened to a book on this. But one of the people who went up there twice to the moon was Eugene Cernan. He went once where he orbited the moon on one of, like before Neil Armstrong. And then after that, he, uh, he was the last person to land on the moon. He turned out the lights. And this guy who did this super dangerous mission twice was just standing in the crowd drinking a Bud Light, just hanging out like a regular guy. And I met him, and I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I thought, if I ever have some kind of crazy fame like that, I don't want to be the Neil Armstrong. I want to be the Eugene Cernan. I want to be the guy out there just hanging out with the beer, who if they didn't tell you he had done this amazing, incredible feat that nobody else had ever done, you'd have no idea, because he's just so chill. So that was, that was my biggest celebrity story. And now, since the law of podcasts dictate you have to have a chance to talk, go ahead and say something, and then I'll jump into my second story. <laughs> You know what's funny? You are probably at 30, mid-30s. Mm -hmm. You are probably the last in line of people who would be impressed by astronauts because I'm sort of like you. You tell that story and I'm like, ooh, damn, that'd be cool. <laughs> I don't know if your followers would vibe that way. I had an astronaut who holds the record for most time spacewalking mm -hmm. uh, from the space shuttle uh, for my 100th episode of The Commute, and I could not give that episode away. <laughs> I remember the hoops I had to jump to to get to him. I had to go through NASA's PR people, and I had someone on the inside trying to pull me through the process. Mm -hmm. And it was still a hard deal. And I got him, I think I had him for like 32 minutes or something. He had a hard out. He was going to Congress. And uh, I was so excited and delighted. And this was my milestone 100th episode. Mm -hmm. And I swear, uh, there's crickets. People did not give a, uh, <laughs> didn't care 
about astronauts. And it was it was puzzling to me from a data standpoint. Mm -hmm. And I think astronauts are sort of why I brought this episode up also, because I don't know that people see celebrity the way we used to, because celebrities are so accessible nowadays that uh, you meeting Neil Armstrong was unique because he doesn't see anybody. Mm -hmm. But if you were to walk up to one of the Kardashians, <laughs> I don't know if you'd be all that impressed. But when I was a kid, if I would have walked up to Linda Carter or Farrah Fawcett, like I, I, my tongue would have been hanging out. <laughs> like these are like gods to me. Now it'd be Heather Locklear. But the point is that uh, I don't know that kids, that's why I was so delighted that your little girl still were just overcome to see Elsa. I think good. That part of magic of childhood ends at about eight now and it used to end well for me never i still get goosebumps <laughs> with some of the guys i interview but anyway uh, i don't know that astronauts have the same curb appeal that they used to so i'm glad that that was exciting for you i feel good for you well there's a big caveat to that and this has always been true with astronauts if you are the first to do something you are a huge deal if you were the second, you are nothing. So I mean, you figure 95% of the people on Earth can name Neil Armstrong. What percent can name Buzz Aldrin? And what percent can name Eugene Cernan? Like, I know maybe hardcore space fans can, but like before I said the name Eugene Cernan, would you have even known that name? No, in fact, I didn't say my guy. Rex Wilhelm was my guy's name. And I, I don't know if anyone knows him, but he was on several shuttle missions. Mm -hmm. He's done spacewalk. He's, an, he's a freaking astronaut, man. That's a big deal. That's like, you know, Alan Shepard, first man in space for the U.S., huge deal. Gus Grissom went up. Not such a huge deal. People lose their attention real quick on these things. And I think that's true. I mean, spaceflight is almost, uh, you know, it's, it almost seems common. Now, recently, uh, SpaceX sent up that, uh, that their private manned vehicle and it was new and exciting again, and everybody watched, and that was a cool deal. Yep. But the second time it happens, nobody's going to care. We have a short attention span. So Neil Armstrong, and they, they knew this when they were getting out. They were debated if Buzz or Neil was going to go out first. And basically, they knew one person was going to be remembered by everybody and make history, and the other one was going to be much more forgotten. But they were both taking the exact same risks doing the same thing. So I, I think that just goes with the territory. Uh, as far as other celebrities go, my second celebrity story... Um, I actually, so one of the celebrities I can't name, I keep forgetting her name, but she's huge and everybody else would remember her name. And the other one, I feel like I shouldn't name her because then it's going to lead to the second celebrity and I don't want to cause drama, but it, it uh, what? It, and it makes it a terrible celebrity story if you can't say who it is. Like it probably <laughs> completely sure ruins it. I don't know what to do with that information. But it's either. gonna it's a life lesson. I just want to tell about this life lesson of this story. Right. So I went and I did an, an uh, it was an advertisement situation in front of some cameras, which isn't something I'm, I usually do. And for one, for part of it, oh, like the big draw was like story. a sitcom star from uh, from from years past, from when I was a kid. And this yep. person was the nicest person in the world. Super cool, super down to earth. Everybody before I told me, don't be, don't be nervous. She's the nicest, most genuine person you'll ever meet. And it was absolutely true. Like in terms of entertainment, it was the biggest person I'd ever met in the entertainment industry. And she was, it was awesome. It was amazing. Just, uh, you know, to sit down and speak. It's like a regular person, but you say their name and, you know, most people have heard of them. That, that was really cool. But while I was waiting to do this, like when, you, when, you, when you're on a production set, like you wait for hours to do anything. And this is the first time I've ever been in front of like a you know professional production with you know sound people and makeup people and all of this. I was super nervous, and I sat down 
next to this other lady. And I had no idea who she was, and she had no idea who I was. But apparently, she was a very big deal in her own mind. And so we sat down right <laughs> next to each other, and like no words were exchanged like the entire time. It was very clear she wanted nothing to do with me. And like finally, like an hour later, there was a little bit of a conversation. And I mentioned that I've written some books. She's like, oh, yeah, I've written a book. She's like anything. I was kind of like a one-upper. Like anything I had done, she had done it better. And like she was kind of in like the blogging, social media space. But she was like she was married to an executive in the industry. And so like she had like all this clout. And this was like old hat. She made, you know, TV appearances elsewhere. And she was just not a nice person. I thought, man, you know, how can this person who's way more famous than you be so nice and you be so mean? And then I, I, the, 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 the part that sticks out the most in my mind, though, is um, like at the end of the day, like I, this is the first time I've ever worn makeup for any reason. And I asked uh, the makeup guy who was super nice, I was like, so I need to wash this off. And, or like, does it just wear in or something? Like, it was a stupid question. Not the stupidest thing I've ever said, but like mm. this, this woman, the, the mean one, like she was like, falling on the ground laughing about this like cut me a break lady i don't know how ma- uh, you know uh, makeup works and even even if i said something stupid it was just a small room you don't need to like act like i've uh, i don't even know what a comparison for basically just like lit myself on fire for your amusement so anyway i go home and i just forget about this completely years later I, um, I, I'm browsing the internet. I don't know if I, I've told you this part of the story or not, but it turns out that like she had written some more books completely unrelated to that first book. That first book was like fiction. This other later ones were like inspiration. Apparently she's like a life coach and a marriage coach and all these other things. And like her online persona is totally different than her in real life, but like her books like sell millions of copies. Like I discovered her again when I saw the, uh, like she was like number one on Amazon. And I looked and I was like, she looks familiar. That name sounds familiar. I looked it up and she was the exact same person who had been crapping all over me that day at that shoot. It's like, wow. So there's, you know, there's nothing fair about the entertainment industry. Being nice has nothing to do with getting ahead. And uh, it's a story I don't really tell to anybody. It's like, I'm not going to name drop this person because if they knew I was talking about them, they could very easily destroy me. Um, the, the lesson remains that stuck out in my head forever. And I try very hard not to check her sales numbers because she, gosh, she sells more books than God. It's impressive. It really is impressive. So that was my, that was my second celebrity story on the, the, the spectrum of niceness to meanness. You know, the, the saddest part of the story, I know this, the girl, that the nice one that you were with, I, I, she sort of faded away mm-hmm. since then, which is unfortunate if she was very kind versus, I, I guess that it shows you what it takes to make it, which is kind of your thesis through all of this, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, and I don't know for sure that she succeeded because, you know, she's cutthroat because the, what the image that she portrays like online, it's very much, you know, women helping women and, you know, everybody, oh, affirmation, sure. all that. Now, be fair, I'm not a woman. She has no obligation to help me. Like, she was fully within her rights to destroy me. That That's not, you know, opposed to her mission. But, like, it's all very, a very uplifting, wholesome message, which didn't jive at all with what it's like to meet her in person. And I wonder if it's because I didn't know who she was, and so she didn't have to entertain me and project that persona. Like, she offers, like, camps and things where you, like, you meet and learn skills and all that. I I'm sure that when you do that, when she's on, she's probably very nice or she comes off that way. But when she uh, when she thinks she has a chance to go off, uh, 
boy, it was a totally different experience. So yeah, I think about that still, and I still feel belittled, belittled to this day. Like, my self-esteem <laughs> takes a hit every time I think of that story. And I'd like that story to end, but I showed her, and I really didn't in any way. Like, she <laughs> rose to greater and greater heights, and I'm, I'm still about where I was before. <laughs> Man, I don't know. It depends how you define success. She's richer than you, but I'm sure at least three out of ten people would rather hang around you than her, right? You you know what? I would like to think if we were in the same room, that's true, but objectively looking at our online presence, I'm pretty sure she would win ten out of ten times. Like Based on what she puts online, I'd rather hang out with her than with me. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> well, fair enough, I suppose. That you, you hadn't told me that part of the story, but... Yeah. It's interesting, just talking to as many uh, moderate celebrities <laughs> as I do in the music industry, the, 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 the most fun that I have talking to them actually happens after we stop recording. Yeah. Like, before we start, they really don't know me, and mm -hmm. they're not sure if this is going to be a, like an attack interview, <laughs> or a, so it's like... But once they get to know me, we hang up, and they're like, dude, this is what really happened. And just hearing about... The, the interesting thing about music is all the dicks end up kind of working themselves out because oh. they just, people don't want to work with them. There's a lot of guys that can play guitar. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of guys you want to hang out with who can play guitar. So those end up getting the work. And it's interesting to me that in the self-help industry, it makes no difference who you are. <laughs> As long as you move books. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's probably true, too. You could be a terrible person in, in the music industry, and as long as you sold records. I mean, I think, that's, I, I think that's probably true everywhere. And you can get away with more if you're making money. I think that's also universally true. But as soon as you stop making money, all those people you stepped on along the way, now they have the room to turn on you and throw you under the bus and do all those horrible things. I think my, my <laughs> thesis is, in general... And I, I can't speak to, like, the super, super famous Hollywood elite. I'm sure some of them are right. terrible people. But I think, in general, people who are famous are generally pretty normal and down-to-earth. I think the people who have not, who at least had part of their life where they weren't in a bubble and didn't have people waiting on them hand and foot. Like, I'm sure, through your interviews, I bet you haven't met a single mean person uh, who you wouldn't want to hang out with. I bet, I bet you everyone you've hung out with who you consider pretty famous, and I'll admit they, some of them are pretty famous. I bet you, <laughs> when it comes down to it, they're all pretty normal people, and they're just bored in hotel rooms on tours and all that, and that really kind of celebrity is a fiction in our mind because ultimately we're all just ordinary people on some level or another. Some of us are stacked a little more entitled than others. I'll tell you a story after we hang up. Oh! <laughs> no, with, with regard to the musicians, yes. But I have a self-selected group. If uh, Usually the people... and There's a handful of us that do hair metal podcasts, and we kind of know each other. Mm -hmm. But what we also know is which of these hair metal guys are sort of down for being interviewed. Like, they kind of enjoy being on mm -hmm. podcasts and being interviewed. And the ones that nobody likes don't come on the podcast anyway oh. because they don't enjoy it and they don't want to talk to people. So I get uh, there is some selection bias in how my pool comes together. Well, that makes sense. And I mean, certainly if everyone was a jerk to you, you wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't enjoy it. So you probably would not still be doing it. That was one of the reasons I got out of journalism is it's like, it's a lot, a lot of it. You're like, you're supposed to be, go up to people and basically cause conflict. Like this terrible thing happened and it's probably your fault. What do you think about that? It's like, I don't want to talk to the person <laughs> whose fault it is. I don't want to bring up this conversation. This is terrible. This is the most awkward thing I can imagine. And I'm making 12 bucks an hour to do it. No, thank you. Oh, My discomfort is worth far more than that. 
<laughs> well, imagine all the riches you are gaining from being on this show with me. Huh? Uh, the sad thing is, this discomfort is my comfort zone, and that just says horrible, <laughs> horrible things about me. But like, if you would just like run over six people, and I was a journalist, it'd be like my job to call you and be like, "Do you want to comment on running over six people?" And it's like you don't want to comment. Oh, I don't want to hear your comment, and you probably legally shouldn't comment. But yet, I was required for my job to make this call. It's like this is this is should not be happening this is the worst thing i can possibly imagine cold calling people accused of horrible crimes like in reality i'm probably whether i'm calling the victim or the alleged perpetrator i'm probably calling them on the worst day of their life or within yeah. a day or two of the worst day of their life and it's i can't say that they're going to contribute anything meaningful to this that, that we don't already know like it was and this is just in a small market. Like, I can't imagine what it's like if you're like in New York or LA and you got like the real big national stories that everybody else is, you know, chasing after too. And you're like that person I met at the uh, at that at that filming thing where you'll do whatever <laughs> it takes to get by. Like that, uh, that does not sound like a fun experience at all. So instead, you and I are left putting up with the comments of our listeners. Yeah, James. but you know what? I don't have to read those comments. After the, uh, the the hair episode, I did not read a single comment. Not God. on Twitter, not on Facebook, not on YouTube. One of your people YouTube. said, I don't understand why people need to do this. They said, Steve looks like an aging rock star. <laughs> and I thought, ooh, let me read on. And the next line was, but not in the good way. And I thought, why? Why do you dangle it and then snatch it back? That was, Why do you like to just, just crush me like that? That was a good insult. So, like, when people send me angry emails, if I can tell it's angry in the first couple words, it just goes right to spam. I, you get blocked. I never see it again. So if You, <laughs> you don't get angry emails. Oh, you me. have no idea. We're in the age where even leaving your house can be controversial if you don't take certain precautions. And some people think even if you do take those precautions, you still shouldn't be leaving. Or it just... Everything is politicized now. Everything's wow. a controversial decision that affects everybody. I don't get many, but I think it's largely because I don't I've finally got enough self-control that when people are mean, I don't respond. And if they notice I don't respond because I don't read it, and then they send me an email directly, it goes straight to my block folder. But if you really want to make that insult stick, you got to start it out nice and personal and then slip in the big insult a little <laughs> bit further down. Like that's that's the key. You got to and you got to make your first insult count because you're not going to get a second Second one, so that's that's the recipe. If you want to do hate mail, guys, that's how you make it work. I should not have told you that. <laughs> well, we got to get out of here. Do you have any closing thoughts on your own uh, level of celebrity, James? Because I know you you certainly are. As as you are, uh, find you find a way to remind us every episode. I'm not a celebrity, and you are correct in terms of saying a name and like recognizing people like reckon name recognition if i could spit out the words i mean i'm way 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 down there i'm i'm recognizable only in the uh the smallest of small markets so you know a very niche field so i i can't say that i've really gone through this and i think that when celebrity changes you it gets to the point where you can have everything you want you're weighted on hand and foot and then, like, you can't go out in public because you're just hounded by everybody. And I think most of the people that we we're telling stories about are not at that level. So their reality hasn't been totally altered. They can still go out in public. And yes, when they're at the rock venue or when they're wherever, you know, it's fun. But, like, they're, like, they're not fully forced into a bubble where everything's disrupted. That might be part of the reason why you and I have mostly dealt with celebrities who are nice and normal. That's, that's my theory. God, I can't wait to get to the point where I'm not normal <laughs> and I'm waited on and I can't go out in public. Oh, James, it'll be the ultimate 
lifestyle for me. <laughs> ah, well, that's going to wrap up our episode for today. It took a direction I didn't anticipate, and that's what makes the show fun. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. This is Steve Olivas, Dr. Steve, the good-looking one. If you ever see a group of sorority guys <laughs> chasing one of us down the street, it's going to be me. And he is James, not aging, nor a rock star break. Well, still not in a good way. Saying thank you for watching, thank you for listening, and remember, two wrongs can make a right.